0: this time that we have together and lord you are a wonderful god and father god we look forward to hearing what you have to share today and father god we we just ask father god that as we go into today's lesson father god that uh you just fill our hearts with what you desire to have them filled with in jesus name we pray amen amen all righty morning all Hi, sparse. y'all.
1: All y'all. All y'all. Hi, y'all. all y'all. All y'all. All
0: y'all. One it's y'all.
1: No, it's all y'all.
0: Well, if it's one, it's y'all. If it's more than one, it's all y'all.
1: <laughs> Hi, y'all. All y'all. All y'all.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It works. It works.
1: So this is part um, three.
0: Yes. Uh, I don't know how many parts, but we'll get to the end eventually. Sound good?
1: We actually have a guest speaker coming in on February nine. Yeah. Um
0: you've heard them before.
1: No. Actually there's only a couple people in this room that have heard them.
0: That's right, huh?
1: Um, Andy and Paulette are gonna teach on the ninth. Right. Andy and Paulette Ainsworth. Uh we're at this church for twenty five years? Twenty years? Yeah. Um, and they ran the uh, marriage ministry here, um, and they moved up to Washington, mm-hmm. and um, for some reason um, gave Ron and I the reins
0: mm-hmm. of the class. Yeah, we don't know why.
1: Um, but we're excited that they're coming back down on the 29th to teach, because you, you've heard them, Gina? The 29th or the 9th? That's what I said. the ninth. Yeah. <laughs> No, it is February 9th. Um, Maybe I should sit down. You're
0: understanding me a lot better now, though, huh? February 9th. February
1: 9th, yes. In two two weeks? Yeah. Two weeks. Three weeks. I don't know what today's date is. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to let you... No?
0: No. Go. All right. So we began our discussion uh, on how to give well. That's how we started this entire series on how to give well.
1: We're basing it off the verse, um, That's right. Luke six thirty eight. given it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. It will be poured out into your lap for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you.
0: And I like what Ron said that very, that very first session. If you give a teaspoon of grace, you're likely just going to get a teaspoon of grace back. Because that's what that verse says, and we talked about sometimes verses can seem to be like a promise or a threat. Well, this is both, and God doesn't threaten us, but for whatever measure you give, that's gonna be the measure given to you, and that's just God's promise. And it's it's sobering because like Ron shared, if we give a teaspoon, we're only gonna get a teaspoon. But if we give generously, we'll receive generously, and this, this verse, even though it's been used financially so many times, is actually in the context of relationship. It's not in the context of finances, it's in the context of relationship, so giving of ourselves relationally. And then
1: um, it was brought up that we need to learn how to receive well. And that's one of the things that, for me personally, was one of the biggest lessons that um, that I've ever had, really. Yeah. It's, it's literally everything that we've had, we've received. Everything we've received it from God. We receive life from God. Our breath is from God. Our our um, the possessions that we have, we think we w- work for them, but who do you think provides the job? Who do you think provides the? I mean, and when I look in my life, the times that we've not had jobs, when we've not had things that we can earn, God still provides, you know? So everything that we are and everything that we have really belongs to the Lord. Um, I've seen people, and uh, even when I was growing up, uh, my parents lost their place of business. It was a five-alarm fire. Poof, it's gone overnight, you know? Things can easily be taken away, but God is a giver, and he is gives in abundance. Our problem is how we perceive those things, in how we have the ability to receive them. Right. We've figured out, um, um, I need my glass, that basically the reasons why we aren't good receivers is because um, pride, lies we believe, ignorance, or judgment, pretty much. So when we think about putting it into a relationship, Ron will bring me flowers and my thoughts might be, what's he trying to make up for? Oh, he's just trying to placate me, just trying to shut me up, okay?
0: Is there a new car outside that he bought?
1: Okay, what is he doing, to, you know? Rather than just saying, you know what, for whatever reason, and be grateful for the flowers that I received. The others may be true as well. Um, not necessarily in Ron's case, because we've kind of worked through a lot of those issues on that. Yeah. Um, But for the purpose of example in this class, um, well, I just need to let people know that you're really not manipulative in that way. I try not to be. You're generous in your giving, and I appreciate that. I try to be. Okay. You're worth it. Um, (laughs) Anyway, so we talked about how to receive well, and the importance of receiving well, because it really is important that we learn how to receive well. And it's important to just say, thank you. Um, to recognize that when we give, um, that when we give, we need to pay attention to why we're giving and what our expectations are in that giving. Um, I loved the, the test that we came across. Yeah. You know, you're giving away a large sum of money and you're hiding behind the corner. What are your thoughts about who is going to receive that money? tells you a lot about what type of giver you are and also what type of receiver you are. Because if you're thinking that that money should only go to someone in need, you're going to be less likely to receive the generosity of someone else because you may be feeling looked down on them because I don't have that need. Why are you going to give to me like that?
0: Yeah, we, we spoke and we closed last week where oftentimes our attitude toward uh, receiving is the same attitude that we project when we're giving and so it, it's that attitude of the heart that we have to be able to focus on and actually you know I I learned a lesson on Sunday because on Monday um, you know I, I did something that I had not I, I had intended to do but the timing was a little bit different and based on the lesson that we taught on Sunday it's kind of like are you know I just I um sold some games so I could give money to a friend who's struggling and who's who's going to have to find a place to live. So I was going to hold on to it until he needed it to move. And then I was just going to present it to him. And then, you know, after I left here on Sunday, it's like, no, nope, I just got to give it to him and let it go because the intent is for him to have it. And so it's one of those things that, you know, even as we're teaching, we're learning.
1: So we talked about introduced giving
0: yeah
1: we all we talked about being good receivers this week we're going to talk about how to give to God and one of the things that is the hardest for me right now in teaching this class is going back and forth between receiving and giving especially when it comes from God Everything that we have, everything that we are, everything that we can do comes from God, right? So when we look at giving to God, what do we give him? And truthfully, we don't have enough Sundays in our life to teach on all the things that we can give to God. We just don't because he desires our all. He desires our thoughts, our actions, our heart, um, our love, our worship. I mean, the list can be endless. So for this, through prayer, we said, okay, Lord, what, what, what is it do we focus on? And he gave us, um, gave us an interesting concept.
0: It has nothing to do with money, by the way.
1: It doesn't. Um, but the concept was, what does each of the Godhead give to us? What is the, the, the biggest... Like one thing that we can focus on.
0: Yeah. So when we think of God, it's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? And when I was growing up, Holy Spirit was right shoulder, left shoulder. Because, yeah, or Roman Catholic. All right. But so Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we have God. So yes, we can speak, God gives us this, God gives us this. But when we think about the Father, and when we think about the Son, And when we think about the Holy Spirit, if we could identify one, and this is hard because they each give us so much, right? But if we could identify one key thing that each person of the Godhead gives us, that we receive from each person of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, what do you think we receive from the Father? Huh? Person? Mercy. 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 That's good. We did receive the son from the father.
1: I. It's a, it's a hard question when you when you start thinking about it. What what do we receive? We do. Like I said, I mean, there's 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 not enough Sunday to to, to to bring it out. Yeah,
0: and and. What did Jesus receive from the Father? I like the way
2: that we look at it. I mean, that, 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 that question. Right? Because just the thing about
0: the three-step, uh, God has like, yeah, something to say. I like that. And we liked it too. And that's why when we were praying about it and God poured this into us, it's like, wow, this is and this happened on Sunday after we left here. So what did the Father give Jesus? Because Jesus is God's son, right? It's also a part of the Godhead, but what did, because the Father did give Jesus something. Huh?
1: We're going to bring it down and put it a little bit more personal. How about identity? What do you think of the term identity? When we think, yeah, think of Jesus' baptism, right? All right. We're going to read this from the Hawaiian pigeon.
0: Yeah, it's it's one. Yeah, it's it is because it really. When we think about baptism, we know what the theological background for baptism is, right? Cle- to signify the cleansing from sin and everything else. Did Jesus have to be cleansed from sin? No. no. So, what was the purpose of Jesus's baptism? It was a model. model for us. and what to, it, announce who he was. to announce who he was. So this is what it says in Hawaiian, Hawaiian picture. Matthew three. Do you want to read it?
1: That time Jesus come from Galilee side to the Jordan River where John stay, so John can baptize him. But John once told Jesus, "How come you come by me? Eh, me? I know can baptize you. Eh, mo better you baptize me. I need that." But Jesus say, no need worry, that's okay for now. For sure we liked everything the right way. So John say, okay, we go then. And he baptized Jesus. Right after John baptized him, Jesus come out of the water and you know what? The sky went rip open. Jesus spoke God's spirit coming down on top of him, looked just like one dove. And wow, had one voice from the sky wind say, Dis my boy. I get love and aloha for him, for real kind, and I stay good inside of him uh, because of him.
0: Now, think about that. Close your eyes for a moment. And how good would it have felt for your dad to announce to all the people that were around him, this is my boy or this is my girl and you hadn't done a thing yet, how good would that have felt to you?
1: When you hear those words, that's my boy, this my boy, There's my pride.
0: There's pleasure. There's love. There's identity. Jesus hadn't done a thing. Except show up some Pharisees in the temple when he was twelve, I suppose. But Jesus hadn't done a thing. And there's and, and I do, I I get this picture. And this is why I love baptism so much. And I think this is something that is really missing in today's teaching of baptism. Because it's an opportunity, if we allow it, for the Father to pour his identity into us. Because I just I I can picture it. And that's why we read it from this version. You know, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Nobody talks like that. Charlton Heston does. Well, he does. There's a reason why that movie's so old and so fake. But imagine just, and I love the way they put this the sky went rip open. And I'm thinking about all the company of heaven. And God's pointing down at you. That's my boy. That's my boy. And that's why we think identity. We receive a lot from the Father, we receive mercy, we receive so much from the Father. But I think the biggest thing we receive from the Father, the most encompassing thing, is identity.
1: Ephesians 1, 3-5 says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him good pleasure. I mean, do we stop and think about the fact that we are adopted into God's family? Legal term, adoption. My my daughter's husband has a biological son from another woman and he has another son. Uh, When he met the woman that um, he shares a child with, she had another child from another man. That's our grandson. But he's never been adopted. He's never been legally brought into the family. Emotionally, he's all there. The legal implications, that signed document, my son um, just got married this last Friday. Um, They got married in front of a courthouse. Um, Their choice was to live together for probably a couple years beforehand. And she was pretty much part of our family. But now that she is legally part of our family, there are rights and privileges and access. My son-in-law can't make decisions about his son's school. My son-in-law can't make medical decisions. My son-in-law can't. And and if there is a, a will to be made, he has to be specifically mentioned. It doesn't go in. He's not included in the sons and daughters unless he's specifically, additionally mentioned. And the same thing would have happened with my daughter-in-law. Until they signed that legal document of adoption, there's a lot that's left out and we don't have access to. But God. Biggest, best words. But God has chosen to adopt us through Christ Jesus. We have access to everything. We are automatically in the will unless he (laughs) specifically writes us out, okay? Which is not God's heart. It's not the Father's heart. But we don't think about that when we're dealing with the strife and the struggle and the issues that we see in person. All right, We forget those things. Our identity is in Christ. I don't care what my last name is. I am God's daughter. I don't have to have the last name of Christ.
0: God sent him, Christ, to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. I and mean, we kid around a, a fair amount, you know. We kid around with David and Ann a fair amount, you know. Well, you know, we had our kids, we we're stuck with them. And we say that joking around and everything else. Let's think about this though. All these kids who are foster kids were either abandoned by choice or not choice. They could have been abandoned because both parents died or they could have been abandoned because both parents chose something else over their kids. Now another couple comes along and brings them into their home and adopts them and gives them their name. That's a choice. God made a choice from before the foundation of the earth. That's what the word says. The lamb was slain before the foundation of the earth. God knew what he would have to do to adopt us into his family, to bring us close to him. To reconcile us to him and he chose to do it
3: anyway
0: even though we knew in advance all the pain that and we don't think of the pain that the father has to has to feel god is a very emotional god he can rejoice with us but he also cries for it that's that's the whole thing about jesus weeping i had many spiritual sons and daughters i don't get it why did jesus cry he knew what he was going to do Jesus cried because his heart was hurting mm-hmm. for those who were hurting.
4: Mm-hmm. You mentioned about foster daughters. Um, at Christmas time, my, daughter, my sister has two biological daughters and she's had many foster daughters and she's had some from when they were young. You know, so at Christmas, we're at my son's and some of my son's family was there um, from his dad's side of the family. And they knew my sister when she only had the two biological kids. So we were talking and introduction, reintroduction, and everything. So later, two of her foster daughters came. So when they came in the door to introduce them, I had already told them she had two. So I'm like, okay. So when they came in, I said, this is my sister's bonus, because th- I didn't want to say foster. So I said, these are her bonus daughters thinking, oh, okay, that's better than foster. You know, but if I said her daughter, it was gonna be confusing because I just said, sure, she already sure. had two. So later that night, my son pulled me aside, and she said, how many men and upset?" And I'm like, what? You know, she said, because you introduced my bonus daughter. And I'm like, what? You know, I, so then I let go. And later on, I, I pulled him aside, and they explained to me that was a trigger for them. It was just like what you just said never feeling included. And then when I said bonus, it was like shutting them out again. So I had to explain to them, I had already what the conversation was before they got there, you know? And it wasn't my intention to make them feel bad, but they were saying they always felt like they had at one point they wanted to be included and we are her daughters. And I said, yeah, I know that. I said, but the conversation that took place before you were there would have been awkward I said, it's sort of like with, I have a stepdaughter and my son, they're the same age. So every time I would introduce her as my daughter, oh, they're twins? And I would get it all the time. And it, <laughs> so, be, so to say that, I would just say, this is my stepdaughter. It was no slight on her, but I knew what the next question would come if I say to my daughter, this is my son, how old are they? Oh, they're both 13. Oh, they're, you know, so I would explain it to them. That's what I live with all my life. So I was trying to, and I thought I was doing a paper by like saying bonus versus foster, but they were still offended by it. Yeah. Because it made them still feel not included in yeah. the family.
1: And it's the subtle <clears throat> small things like that. Thank you so much for sharing that really do make the difference. And we don't recognize how how important it is to really be included. And that's why for me the idea, the truth That God chose me and said, I want you as my daughter with all of the legal implications. Um, I don't think I've begun to grasp the depth of what that means. I don't know that we really understand that. Um,
2: Yeah, I agree. Um, Like, I don't know. I don't think I can grab the tip of God. Like, I'm not God's half-son, I'm not his um, stepson. Like, so, our family and my family I always try not to not say this is my half-sister or half-brother, this is my brother, this is my sister, or this is my son or this is my daughter, it's not my stepson, because I don't want to feel like I'm God's stepson or I'm God's ha- his half-son. So, um, I try not to, you know, I try to look at it as, emotionally healing. Right? It's healing to know that you have somebody who cares for you more than you probably care for yourself. Right. Yeah.
1: But it's hard. But
2: it's hard.
1: It's hard. It's really hard to, to walk it out. I I know from me to explain the relationship I mean one I, I super respect my son in law for the choice that that the oldest is his. You know, the oldest is his, even though legally it's not, there's no, you know, um, there's no, I'm going to say authority there.
0: Yeah. There's, um, there's no legal basis for it, but when he was asked, when we were all up in Portland for my son's wedding, when he was asked how many kids do you have, he said, two. I have two sons. I have two sons. Ron, you were going to share something. It
5: made me think of two things that I worked for a long time with foster care, level 14 foster care. Mm-hmm. And it was what the role of the parent was, not the title, that seemed to make the person feel better. So when I think about Christ as the Father offering uh, me an adapted or an adopted place in the family, regardless of my own heritage, it makes me think again about what unconditional process or what nurturance. So I'm not really one about titles at all. Like, I don't really yeah. look at whether that, and then that in adoptive or marital families that the parents can still sit with the other parent, whether or not they have the final legal right, and still give and receive console, information, and love Mm -hmm. about any challenge for the child. Sure. And I think that's something that I look to Christ for in my prayer, aside from uh, like a shield, if you will, or in the submission that protection offered, in the larger nurturance and not necessarily in trying to define my role within christ's love for me but what the nurturance potentials within or the counsel that can be gained from being adopted by christ or being a blood family of christ okay okay and
0: i don't know if that fits with that
5: what i was thinking
0: yeah and one of the things we're, we're we're trying to share through this is you know with with all the DNA testing and stuff going on, and and people finding out they have half sisters, half brothers, their dad may not be their dad, and all this other stuff, and my entire life was a lie. God places a truth of identity in us, and it really doesn't matter what our DNA is, because God's our Father.
1: And it doesn't change how you
0: lived your life. And it doesn't change a thing. <laughs> And I'm a son. I'm a son of my father, I'm a, I, and I'm a son of God. And I'm a brother with Christ. That's you know I'm co-heirs. I know what co-heirs mean because we filled out a, we filled out a uh, trust. Our daughter and son are co-heirs, who, although my son was a smart mouth, so he's down to 49%. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But they're co-heirs. They're going to share in everything that we built. We're co-heirs with Christ, which means we get to share in everything that the Father's built. I think that's pretty exciting.
4: And I, and I think for sometimes people, we have people in our lives that are challenging, and I don't like these working, but we have great disdain for me, them or something like that. But to see them as God still loves them mm-hmm. as much as he loves me. And that person is still God's child, regardless of what they're doing or what they've said, or who they were in the past, or where the direction they're going is. And if we can look at it from that perspective, I think it will help us get along with people a lot better. You know, that, that is God, that's still God's son.
1: If you look back to the creation story, we are created in his image. We are created in his image. So, when you think of the, I call them EGR, Extra Grace Required People, (laughs) EGR people, that that person is created in God's image, what must they have gone through to have that image so, so much distorted? The lies that they're believing, the I'm going to say abuse, but the, the disrespect, whatever it is that, that they're, they're right now so far from what God's image is, because that's really what it is. We're all created in God's image, period. That's what his word says. We start out, and then we get kicked to the gutter sometimes, or we believe the lies of the enemy, and our lives become very distorted, and we become reactive to the things that we're experiencing. And we forget that we're created in His image, and that we've been adopted into His family. And when we talk about being able to receive so we can give, one of the best things that we can give that would bring pleasure to the Father, is to speak identity into other people.
2: That's why that story that uh, we heard today about DJ is so powerful. Why not just tour me up? Because there's so many examples of that that, um, that I can speak to personally, or you know, just people who maybe didn't have a, um, back man I was talking about, if I didn't have a, a person like this guy who stayed here 17 years and you know to experience. I mean, yeah. So that's a good example of that story.
0: You know, there's. Uh, there's a story, there's a passage we want to share, and it was written by Mike Bickle in Seven Longings of the Human Heart. And this is based on First uh, Peter 2, nine. We are royalty. As being God's children, we are royalty.
1: A chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Yeah.
0: And he writes this, The thief on a cross who begged for forgiveness in the last moments of, of his life must have been shocked when he stepped over the line into paradise after jesus told him he would now uh, just let that sit for a moment this guy lived his entire life as a thief and then the moment he passed from life into paradise Imagine this former thief walking the street, streets of gold, shocked at the robe he was given and the greetings he received from the angels. When he asked what it was all about, one of the angels told him, you don't understand. You're a king here. And the thief looked at the angel, stunned. A king? He asked. If I had known I was a king, I would have never lived as a thief. Think about that power.
1: We forget our identity. When we're bringing up kids. No, Johnny, don't do that. Sally, I told you to stop.
0: You know why kids learn no, the very first word? Because we keep telling them no.
1: <laughs> okay. You know, when, when do we mostly talk to them? When things aren't going the right way and then we get to train or redirect them. Okay. How many, often talk, how many times do you hear parents praising their kids for doing normal everyday things? I love how responsible you are. You're such a responsible kid. Thank you for putting your dish in the sink. Hey, you are such a caring heart. I love the way that you showed compassion to your friend when they got hurt. Instead, it's, I told you to go say you're sorry. Do we catch them doing scripture? Do we teach them God's word by sharing that love that way? It's not easy we're not trained to do it do we do that with the adults that we walk around as adults hey I really appreciate just the kindness that you showed the other day you're a kind person and I appreciate that or do we say the negatives when the negatives come up right it's so much easier. I don't understand this part. I really don't. And psychologically, I'd love to figure it out. Our brain actually thrives on positivity. It really does. Like neuro, uh, neuroscientifically speaking, totally not the right way to phrase that. If you look at the brain processes, it thrives on positive things. All right, God's word says, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's just, whatever's praiseworthy, think on these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Take captive every thought. The positive things, our brain is wired for that. But why is it that out of our mouth comes so much negative?
2: I don't know, but I just think that it's easy. I think it's less resistant to be negative. And, uh, I mean, through, through the research that I've done, I've, I've, I've trying to figure this thing out. It's so easy to, I mean, it takes work to be positive.
3: Why? Like, like it
2: takes work to see it, to have a reaction, and, and to hold it in, not to just let it come out, or to be upset, and to still do the positive thing. I don't know.
0: Like, why is this?
1: Why can't we train ourselves to go after the positive instead of the negative?
0: But why? I... On... <laughs> Somebody <laughs> answer that question, right? But doesn't it depend on um, some
3: percentage of our upbringing, loveless? In oh, and I look know for me. Like when you said the statement you just made about um, just affirming someone. Like well, my daughter, she put a scripture up on her thing on her wall, and so normally when she does anything, I do look at that and I acknowledge it and I tell her. I was like, "Oh, well, I like that you put that verse up there, and you know that you're guiding your life by that scripture." You know, we yeah. had to talk about it, and I do. I try to find those moments in my daughter's life and. Um, and other people around me, because I work with students a lot. When I see them doing something, and and for me, I feel like strongly that, that came from my mom. On the other hand, I got some other negative things too. My mom put a lot of good morals, like the thank you and please, those things were taught, how we sat at the table, you know, just good um, upbringing. So I think strongly it came from me, it being imparted into me, just being appreciative and being thankful for it, just the little things.
1: I mean, I I don't want to get off on a tangent, and I know I kind of opened the door. Um, You're right. A lot of it is learned, and a lot of it is listening to the enemy, um, which is so easy to do because this world tells us (coughs) by all the advertising, we're not enough, we don't have enough, you know, all of those things, you know, unless you're driving this car, unless you're driving that, unless you whatever, look at this. Um, it's just not enough. Um, yeah, so we'll just leave it at that and get back to this.
0: Well, we have several, a couple.
1: i sorry, yes.
0: Yep, go ahead. Yeah.
1: Uh, I think it's, um, it doesn't necessarily
6: have to do with how you're raised, I think. I think it's society, because I have four um, lovely brown children and I raised um, my children to go to church, two boys and two girls, and my boys reject church because they say, well, mom, since you raised us into church, we don't want our kids to go to church, we don't want anything to have to do with God. My girls, on the other hand, they're raising their children to go to church and they say, well, we believe in God, we love God, we thank you for raising us up in God, and, and we appreciate that. So, um, and then society, you know, and my boys is just like, you know, um, whatever society is, that's what we're gonna do. And so, and they're, you know, in mm-hmm. and out of jail, whatever. And so society has got my boys into hitting girls and going in and out of jail. And, and it's just like real, you know, just real drama in my, my family. And um, I wanna go back um, to say um, something about, um uh, adoption, if I can. Um, I I am married to a guy that accepted me with four kids, and um, and he didn't adopt my children, but he pretty much like accepted them for him being his own, mm-hmm. and he raised my children as if you know um, his own. And now that they're adults, and pretty much like all of their lives, and I have like a 33 year old son all the way until you know he's you know all of his life pretty much. And now we have a grandchildren and pretty much all my children, all my family calls him, like my children calls him their dad and pretty much so adoption. So I want to go into that, like he pretty much adopted them without like signing the papers and everything mm-hmm. and they call my children call him their dad. Mm-hmm. So I just feel like, you know, for the adoption part, you know, my husband is their dad, mm-hmm. you know, and. I just feel like with the um, with the father part of you know us being adopted by God, you know, it it makes me think like my husband is my children's dad, you know, and I just I think it's a beautiful thing. And the grandchildren call him their dad, and when they're in trouble, whatever, they call my husband, you know, and things like that. It's just a beautiful thing. So, you know, it just makes me realize, you know. I, 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 if, if my husband can be, re, you know, relied upon, how much more is a beautiful thing that we can rely on God the Father. Amen. His love is much, much more greater than, Amen. you know, my husband. You know, when he's called upon for my children's sake and for the grandchildren's sake, you know, and it's just like a beautiful thing. So, pretty much, I know I'm a newcomer, but you know. Oh, you're fine. Thank you for the. Call. You're fine. <laughs> you, you're you're fine. God. God.
0: You're Praise fine. God. You want to share as well? Uh, I, I was just going to say that, you know, uh, whether it was because of our
6: of or, you know, uh, learned um, behaviors, I think that, uh, you know, as believers, and I'll use the scripture that, that, um, you know, that we are, we're, we're commanded to be transformed by the meaning of our mind. So we retrain ourselves, you know, to change and to look at people the way the Lord sees them and,
5: and speak over them what he speaks over
0: us, I think it's just we, we, we train. You know. Yeah, and, and I think that's key. You know, one of the things that we struggle with when we work with couples um, is when we ask them, well, what would appreciation look like to you? And they say, well, it's not this, <laughs> you, you can't pursue a negative. <laughs> It it just, your mind can't do that. You just can't pursue a negative. But when we try and get them to think, okay, positively, what does that look like? There's a tremendous struggle there because they just don't know what it looks like. And I was raised with manners. And I still remember, I still remember When I I wanted to leave one of my places of employment one time. And I said, and the Lord said, no, you're going to stay there. And here's what, I still remember what I told God, fine, I'll stay, but I don't have to to like (laughs) it. And that's what I think about when my mom taught me manners, okay, I'll take my elbows off the table, but on the inside, they're still on that table.
1: Basically the obedience was more out of fear of getting one upside the head.
0: And I still remember what God told me that day. We're going to work on your attitude, son. Because what I realized was that I can be obedient in things but when my heart's not there and that's what Jesus called out in the in, on the mount of Yeah, on the mountain. He called out the attitude. That's what he called out. He called out the attitude. And we can behave all we want. But if our attitude's not in line with our behavior, there's still a heart issue going on. And it still has an issue of healing. And that's why I really like what Gene shared about catch him doing scripture and showing that appreciation and just starting to do it even when I I love my wife and I know she loves me. I know I irritate my wife at times. And vice versa. And, but she will still speak those words of appreciation over me. She looks past that. Because what we find is that, okay, if Jean's irritating me, what else is going on? Jean doesn't irritate me to irritate me. Sometimes that's And he wouldn't
1: have married me if I was that irritating all the
0: time anyway. Yeah. That there was something else there so what else is there god show me this is your daughter show me what's going on in her heart so i can help you show me what's going on
1: okay when we talk about we talked about identity we receive identity from the father and speaking identity into others which is really a gift to god because think about it as as a parent i think most of us are our parents in this room um, maybe not all of it but as a parent I mean we want to be we want the most for our children we want them to know who they are we want them to be all that they can be and time that I and, and I also know from personal experience and lots of talking to other people sometimes our kids we're the last ones they'll want to listen to so sometimes just having someone else come alongside and say maybe even the same exact words, they hear it differently. So to have someone speaking identity, man, I appreciate anyone that does that to my children. Anyone that does that to my children.
0: Yeah, and I, we're gonna have to leave this because we won't have enough time covered. Okay. So we're just gonna emphasize this a little bit more. If that's okay. okay. I remember one time we were uh, part of cleansing, we still are part of cleansing strength. And we are sharing, um, we are sharing on the baptism of the Holy Spirit in one class. And uh, this young lady came up for prayer, 15 years old. I never met her before. Uh, Her friends brought her to Cleansing Stream. Her friends knew us, and they were always smiling and, you know, all this other stuff, waiting for God to get a hold of her, I guess. And. when we when we do speak still we we kind of speak at this moment because she remembers this moment pretty well too she's up there for prayer and i'm praying for her and i looked at her and i said you know i don't i don't know what your family situation is like but as a dad i really want you to know that i love you and she lost it poor kid absolutely lost it my shirt was a mess <laughs> literally it was a mess what i found out later she's a latina what happens on your 15th birthday quinceyera her dad left her family mom and three girls before her 15th birthday and said and i ain't coming back for any stupid party you
3: that culture is, is that where the culture her dad speaks into her identity as to who she is and who she's becoming,
0: becoming a woman mm-hmm. so she never had that spoken into her until that day and that was straight from God because I had no idea who she was that was straight from God That young lady hasn't had a problem with identity since has she? No, no,
1: that was 12 years ago, 16, years.
0: seven, eight years ago. No, No. It's more than that. no. She's the 22, 23, good, well, and, but she knew immediately who her father was. No. She knew who her father was at that point. It was the father. And it was, it's been really cool because she's been, now since reconciled to her biological father and been able to minister to him. Amen. Not only that, she brought her sisters along for the ride.
5: Amen.
0: All because identity was spoken into her. So I wonder who in your life right now needs some
1: identity? Your spouse, your coworkers, your neighbors. Your kid?
0: Who's the person that irritates you the most right now? Seriously. Part of the reason they may be irritating is because they need that identity spoken into them. Are you going to be willing to set yourself aside and speak it in? Growing
4: up, my family, we were raised as affectionate, show affection. For sure affection had to love you all the time, so it was very challenging for my son. So I saw something the other day that I wanted to send to him and it, it says, my son, I closed my eyes for but a moment and suddenly a man stood where my boy used to be. I may not be able to carry you now in your arms, but I will always carry you in my heart. You have given me so many reasons to be proud of a man who has come. But the proudest moment, for me, is telling others that you are my son. I love you now and forever. And that was something challenged hard for me to say because we just weren't raised that way. But that's really how I felt. And um, his response was, Thank you, Mom. I love you. I always give him props for raising me, you know, because his dad wasn't in his life, you know, that he always comes back and says, Mom even
1: though you're not my father, you're not a man, but you helped me to be who I am today, Jacob. That's awesome. That's awesome. awesome. And you're right. It's very hard to give what we haven't received, which is why it's that much more important to recognize what we receive from God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit.
3: And it's almost like, cause our, they used to tell us this earlier on in marriage, when you, you we know, first get married, it's a learned behavior to submit, because, you know, we see the scripture and it says wives submit to your husbands, that's not an easy thing to do if it's not a learned behavior. It's, if you didn't see it modeled, then it's something you have to learn, <laughs> you know, so that first, you learn to... <laughs> <laughs>
4: oh, so and those things I learned, and I had to it? have a conversation with his wife because she was grew up, she grew up the opposite, where there's a lot of affection. So when my she married my son, who was total opposite, and I had to have a conversation with her to just pretty much, you know, not apologize to her, but have her understand our family, you know. So she saw this message I sent my son, and she was like,
5: "Oh my God, I'm so happy you guys have made the together." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That was what John said uh, just before Christmas, they were talking about that in the parenting uh, and the marriage that you guys were doing, the marriage uh, meetings, and he said, the submission is to Christ, the equity is between the marriage yeah. and and I thought yeah. that was really powerful when he talked about what they meant by submitting to the, the wife, submitting, and trying right yeah. back to the more equitable equality. What I want to share about what you're talking about to me is that Father God gave Son Christ to build identity. is validating being, the sense of being for a person, and then what we do with our words is how we strengthen or we can, how we give strength or take strength. So I was taught to encourage and only encourage. When you encourage, don't offer discouragement. The food was good, but the picture was good, but, or some sort of other phrase that discourages what you're offering and that, I was also taught English language offers something like nine to one, nine negative words for every one positive word in mm-hmm. development. And then finally Capra stated that it takes more frames and more cameras and more time to show the negative if someone lies versus if someone tells the truth. So that we're we literally takes more frames and shots to show the disconnect from encouragement and um, the submission identity yeah. to Christ in film or in development. And those were the things more negative words. And uh, the first part that the Son of God offers the, the space of being that what we do with ourselves creates what we become, how we distort the individual, yeah. become That's the enemy, good. And the Savior. So, those are three things that I was thinking I,
1: I appreciate those very much. And, and if you've been around us at all, you'll understand we really try not to use that butt word. The only time and the most often that I use that butt word is but God. That's the only um, time it's
0: allowed. You <laughs> when you offer no, we don't do that.
1: Literally, we try to not have but included in our vocabulary. Yeah, except for when I say but. Bridge. And the because, because bad, you're right. The, the word but takes everything you just said and throws it in the garbage. Okay. So, said,
3: but so what and, uh, okay. what
1: a, a practical thing? What we've replaced is and at the same time, or yeah. you know, like you said, uh, uh, oh, the meal was really good, but okay. <laughs> You know, it's like, I really appreciate, the food was fantastic, and with a little bit more salt, it totally would have thrown it right. over the top. Right.
5: Okay. So, and I was okay. Of, stop, uh, stop when you say the food was great, and you <laughs> not even offer more salt. There's, because there's all you do is whatever the cook did. There's was, truth, and, about there's, about and
1: there's, and there's yeah. balance, because if you give continual, nothing but the positives, then the positives can't be received. So yeah. it's how do you add how do you add that that truth to that balance without it being discouraging and that varies person to person. And I was
5: taught that they'll, they'll ask you was there anything you didn't like about it or was there something that could have that could have been done differently about it. I was taught that if you offer encouragement, they'll say someone will question it and say wow, you've really been positive about this, but I noticed when you were eating it, you left it on your plate, or was there something that could have been done? <laughs> yeah. there, there's will, some, some other won't. part of it that in the giving and, and receiving if your patients it, don't bring up to you. I'm just saying yeah. as a different, as
1: it's, it's what what, yeah. what we're doing right now is recognizing that as many people that are in this building right now, yeah. there are that many different variables yeah. on how it will yeah. be received and how it won't be received. Yeah. So when we're giving encouragement, we need to make sure that it's true encouragement. And that it's based on you know again, the identity, what's our identity, what do we know the word enough to recognize when someone is being who God created them to be and calling them out for that, you know whether like you know, I ask for him, well, does this look good on me? Does that one look better on me, which one's fl- or flatter?" you know and then he says, "Well, I can't answer that question because if I say this one looks better, you're going to tell me what I look fat in that outfit? <laughs> you know, and I put him into a hole. It's not healthy. <laughs> It really isn't healthy. But we have learned how to how to say the but without the but being present. So that it is still encouraging. So that there is truth. There's still encouragement, but there's still room for improvement.
0: And that's and that is our focus. Because we're not human doings. We're human beings. And what we want to identify is the being. And we want to just do whatever we can to speak those words of identity into others.
5: Wow.
0: And that's our goal. So when we give the gift of identity, we, we can't give it without receiving it. We can't give it without receiving it. But once we do receive it, we can give it.
1: If you're having a problem with that, do a Google search. Who am I in Christ? And there are going to be plenty of different references that will come up with nothing but scripture that will lay out who you are in Christ.
0: So with that, any questions, comments, or snide remarks? We got. We we had planned to do the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and then how we give back, and you can see how far we've gotten. Does
4: <laughs> it so the
0: same way about first, but however? Uh, but or however for me they're the same words. They're the same words. Because it, it what it does is it just negates pretty much and we don't intend it that way. We we honestly, whenever we use the word but or however, we never intend it that way. But but that's the way it comes out and that's the impact that it can have there's one young lady i'm training in omaha and and finally she said is there any any, ever a word of criticism coming out of your mouth i said give me something to criticize so far you've been doing great give me something to criticize i'll correct it and she said i we just this is not the environment where we hear this stuff i said i'm really sorry to hear that I'm really sorry to hear that.
1: It's not to say that those words can never be used, you know, especially in a business setting. There are times as if you are a management, you, you know, you, you have to, it's like, all right, I've given, I've, these are the parameters, you have to follow, you know, the parameters. Um, but that's different than a relational setting, you know. Um, I hope that we just, pay more attention to when we are using those words, what we're actually saying when we're using those words and the potential reception of those words.
0: Any other questions, comments? All right. Father, thank you for who you are because, uh, we couldn't be sons and daughters without you being the father. So Lord, we celebrate you being our dad, our father. And we're so thankful that you came running to us as as soon as you saw us turn towards you you came running toward us you came running toward us and so father we pledge this week we are so thankful for the identity you've poured into us and my prayer father is if there's anybody in this room or in the sound of hearing this this teaching father god that does not fully have that identity that their hearts turn toward you so you can pour that identity into them and father help us through this coming week speak that identity into others In Jesus name we pray amen. amen we love you guys very much